Good morning, dear friends. It's good to join with you again. I wished I could be with you in person, but we'll utilize Zoom uh, for our times together. It's always a privilege to share God's word with you. This morning, I'm going to talk about a subject that's very pertinent to us because we're just starting a new year. I'm going to talk about a focus for the new year. Uh, you know, uh, as we celebrated uh, three weeks ago, and as uh, Chinese, we can celebrate it once more uh, week after next. So we uh, feel that this is something that marks a new beginning in in our life. We start a new year. And what uh, is going to be the focus for this new year? As we look back over this past year uh, and anticipate the new year, what's our focus? The, uh, uh, the Apostle Paul, like all of us, experienced many things in his life. There were the, the joys, there were the victories, there were also the, the defeats and the sorrows. They were in the past. But yet, there still remains the challenge of the present and of the future that lies before us. How are we going to cope with these things that are going to come into our lives this coming year? Where is the focus going to be? Uh, I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you have them. I hope you brought them to the book of Philippians. And Paul has something to say about that subject that I think can be very helpful to us. So turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. We'll look at verses 12 to 14. I'll give you a minute to find it. But I think uh, whenever we need help, we turn to the word of God to give him an opportunity to speak to us. Beginning with verse 12 of Philippians 3. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward that which is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Let me pray with you. Lord, what we know not, teach us. Lord, what we have not, give to us. And Lord, what we are not, make us. In Jesus' name, amen. In the passage that I just read with you, did you notice what Paul says here? 
He mentions here, this one thing I do. One thing I do. See, Paul had a focus for his life. It was not a hit or miss situation. He was focused. I need to ask myself that same question. Am I focused? Are you focused? And if so, what is that focus? This is not a question that we ask once in a lifetime or once a year. We must constantly ask ourselves that same question and reevaluate our life in accordance with it. And then Paul uses specific words to describe the focus of his life. He talks about the past. He talks about the present. And he does talk about the future. Now, summary. Regarding the past, Paul says, forgetting what is behind. Concerning the present, he says, straining toward what is ahead. And concerning the future, he calls it pressing on toward the goal. I hope we can remember these three ideas here that he gives to us. We want to learn from that. Now let's go through these. The past. Paul says, forget it. Why? Because we have difficulty moving forward because sometimes we cannot shake the ties with the past. Of course, it doesn't mean that we should not learn from past experiences and lessons that God taught us. We must remember them. But in fact, many of us often become slaves of past experiences and memories. Things which we have suffered this past year, perhaps, or maybe many years ago. Things that haunt us, things that we cannot forget because they have been so awful and are so deeply sketched into our memories. Perhaps there have been hurts and wounds which have led us even to bitterness and anger towards certain people. They've immobilized us to move forward. You see, you're unable to forget the hurts until you have learned to forgive them. I wonder whether there's some of us here today that have had broken relationships this past year and we cannot move beyond those things. Whenever we see that person, these things are coming back into our minds and it's because we have not learned to forgive. They need to be 
forgiven. And that's the only way that that burden and that load that they carry can be left behind. We do not want to carry them into the coming year. Then there are the habits we have adopted that seem to tie us down. I'm not referring to the good habits that we have learned, but those which control us. Or we might say, we have always done it this way, why should we change? The older we get, the more we want to live in the past. I know this all too well. And this is specifically one thing I do not want to do. Otherwise, it will keep me from moving forward. And I want to learn. So Paul says, forget the past. If there are things that happened in this past year, we must make them right. And if we need to do that, we must do so. If there are broken relationships, restore them either by confessing what you have done wrong or granting forgiveness to others. But don't dwell on them. Don't let them burden you down. Move forward. Don't stay a prisoner with the past. If we want to move forward, then we must be willing to examine our hearts. We must deal with the past so that we, for, we can forget the failures and, and are able to move forward. And then Paul turns to the present. He tells the Philippian church to strain toward what is ahead. It's the picture of a runner. He's stretching every muscle in his body to reach the finish line. I wonder whether some of you ever watched the Olympic Games and saw runners straining toward that goal, that line that they had to cross first, and how they gave everything they had and thrust their chests forward to break that tape. Amazing. That is what Paul says we need to do about the present time. There is no place for passivity or lethargy in the Christian life. Did you hear that? So many times we hear about that. In Hebrews chapter 12, first two verses, Paul writes this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off every weight, everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. The goal which every believer must be focused on, is becoming like the Lord Jesus. Becoming men and women of maturity that manifest the, the qualities that Jesus displayed through his own life. 
This must be our goal. And in order to achieve that, we must deal with a couple of things. The first thing is sin. He says, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Now, no one likes to come to church and listen to a message about sin. I know that. But we all have to face sin on a daily basis. It's all around us. And this is why I have to preach it. Because this is what the Bible teaches us. Many of us want to call sin a weakness, a shortcoming. And that's, of course, what it is. But it's more than that. God calls it sin. And sin is a daily hindrance for every believer as he runs the Christian race. Sin is a violation of the commands that God has given to us. It's a violation, a rebellion against what God wants from us. And here it says, this sin easily entangles us and hinders us. So we must run it, we must throw it off before we can continue to run. And first of all, we need to recognize what sin is and where we are tempted by it. I remember a meeting at Stanford University, not in the classroom, but it was at a dinner meeting that a friend of mine had. He had started a Bible study and he had invited a number of scholars from China. This was this was back many years ago when the first Chinese came over to study at Stanford do a postdoc or postgraduate work. And as he had this group of people together for dinner, he afterwards shared the gospel with them. And for some of this was brand new. And I remember distinctly one man stopping him in the middle of his presentation and saying to him, sir, can you tell me what sin is? I've never heard of that before. What is sin? Sin is that violation and rebellion against God's authority over our lives. Anything that violates the law of God and remember, he has given us a conscience that reminds us every time we violate it. Secondly, we need to confess when we have sinned. Oh, I'm so grateful for 1 John 1, 9, which says, confess it. Confess it to God. And where we have sinned against others, confess it to them as well. And if we do, he will cleanse us from all sin and uncleanness and give us and forgive us and, and, and remember it no more. What a wonderful thought that when we acknowledge before God that we have sinned, it lightens the load because God takes it away. 
God forgives us. In fact, he says, he throws it into the sea, the deepest ocean, and it is to be remembered no more. That gives us freedom. That gives us much, much joy because he will cleanse us. So that's the first thing we need to do with sin. The second thing, he says, that we must run with perseverance. The Christian race is not a short, quick race. Once we have started it, God calls us to persevere and run it to the end. Keep running. Don't stop. Don't get sidetracked. Unfortunately, too many have done that. I had a letter this morning from a dear friend of mine. I knew him when he was a teenager. And that was over 70 years ago. He was a man who had been raised in a missionary home. And yet over the years, he had gone his own way. And I know of many, many others who ran well and then they got distracted. They got sidetracked and they forgot about God. Unfortunately, too many have done that. What about you? Do you have that same fervor, that same love for Jesus as you did at one time? Some time ago, I read about a couple of mountain climbers. Their goal was to climb the highest mountain in this world. We all know that's Mount Everest in the Himalayas. And this was in the 1920s, so quite a while ago. And exactly 100 years ago, in 1924, they decided, he and his partner decided to climb Mount Everest. His name was George Mallory, and his partner's name was Sandy Irvine. But on that fateful day, they both disappeared on the northeast ridge during their attempt to climb Mount Everest. The pair was last seen when they were about 800 vertical feet from the summit. Then they disappeared and nobody saw them again. The newspaper headline around the world on June 8, 1924 read, when last seen, they were heading toward the summit. Mallory's body was not discovered until 75 years later in 1999. Now these men had a goal. They died climbing. They were headed toward the summit. They didn't achieve that goal. And they did not conquer the mountain. But they persevered. They did not give up. They 
kept going. They persevered. Do you remember Caleb in the Old Testament? In Joshua 14, he said at age 85, give me this mountain. There was an area that still needed to be conquered and recovered by the people of Israel from the enemy. And when nobody volunteered, this 85-year-old says, give me this mountain, I'll do it. And he did. Let me ask you, have you stopped climbing? Have you made age an excuse to keep you from continuing on your spiritual pilgrimage? Have you made work an excuse for not keeping climbing? Have you made broken relationships an excuse to stop climbing? Have you stopped growing? Or are you continuing on your spiritual pilgrimage? So that's what he says for the present. We need to persevere and keep going. And then he has some words to say about the future. We're called to focus on the future even as we run the race today. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus. The right of Hebrews. And if that is our goal, are we truly straining toward what lies ahead? You see, there cannot be such a thing as a divided focus for us as individuals or, or even as a body of believers. The scriptures single out men like Caleb and also like David, who served God with their whole heart. And of David, it says, when David had fulfilled the purposes of God in his generation, then he passed away. As we move forward, let us strain toward that goal. And let us do so with an undivided heart and a clear focus in mind. We need to ask ourselves two questions. First question, am I a follower of the Lord Jesus? My life was totally changed as a teenager in Shanghai. I trust yours has too. But that is not the end of it. The second question is, if I'm a follower of Jesus, am I a growing follower of the Lord Jesus? How do you become a growing follower of Christ? I'm so thankful that God brought people into my life who challenged me to keep growing as a follower. How did they challenge me? Let me tell you. These were men and women who taught me to love the word of God. They encouraged me to read the scriptures, to study the scriptures, to memorize the word of God, to meditate on it. This was the most important factor in my life, in my spiritual growth. 
Secondly, they encouraged me to, to have daily time with the Lord, to read his word, to spend time with him in prayer. I remember a friend inviting me to his house one night for dinner, and after dinner, and he did this several times, he said, let's spend some time in praying together. So we would go into his living room together. I would lie on the floor, and so would he. Nobody else was there. The lights were out. We did not watch TV. They, there weren't any TVs around at that time. But we shared prayer requests and then prayed. We prayed for several hours. What a blessing to have friends like that who teach you by personal example how to pray together, how to call upon God, do specific things to do for us, to answer prayer. I'll never forget those days. And thirdly, then these friends helped me to witness about my faith to others. Of course, I did not know how to do that. And so they asked me to write down my own testimony, think through how I came to know Christ, how to tell my conversion story, and then to share it with others. And you know, that simple experience I have used and practiced all my life all over the world, sharing what Christ has done for me and what he will do for them. I trust that you and I, as we face 2024, will be our goal as well. We need to commit ourselves to be growing followers of the Lord Jesus as we face this new year. This needs to be our focus. What's your goal in life? Which mountain are you climbing? Where is your focus in 2024? The scripture says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Let me summarize what I've said this morning. Number one, we need to establish a focus for 2024. Otherwise, we're going to be sidetracked and nothing will really change in our lives. Secondly, we need to deal with our past. Too many of us are prisoners of our past our experiences, our problems, our sins. And where we have failed, we need to make things right. Confession is the only way we can receive forgiveness. And where others have hurt us, we also need to learn to forgive. If we don't, then we will carry the burdens into the new year. We must forget the past and leave it behind. And thirdly, we need to establish a focus for the new year. We can do this by 
dealing with sin, exercising discipline in our lives, but most of all, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Only then can we change and become growing followers of Christ because only he can give us the strength to do this. Only as the Spirit of God is allowed to work in our hearts can we start growing. How do we apply this? Will you make a commitment today to establish a new focus for your life in 2024? Think about it. And may the Lord give you wisdom to do this. Let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word that is so plain, so simple, so direct. And Lord, we do indeed want to become men and women after your own heart. We don't have the strength, but you can give it to us. So, Lord, we want to allow the Spirit of God to work in our hearts this year to establish a focus in our life that will lead us to be growing followers of the Lord Jesus. I pray for those who hear this message and ask that you would be gracious in applying it to each heart. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you richly. <laughs>